business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Business and People podcast. I'm your host, Walt Bayless. This is the show where we talk to business owners and business stories about how they got to where they are. We focus on the people. Now, one of the people that I've been absolutely keen to catch up with is our special guest today. He is an incredible knowledge base in the, in the center of personal wealth. He's the best-selling author of the book, Creating Generational Wealth. We're talking about taking the, the money side of things and making sure that it has a legacy to move forward on. He is a distinguished member of the Million Dollar Roundtable, which is an exclusive club for the top insurance people in the world. He's had nearly two decades of experience in the financial industry, and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome him to the show. Douglas Ezzy, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, sir. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's great to see you, man. It's great to see you. Now, as, a, as someone who's been in the financial space, do you know what? I, I'm sure a lot of people catch up with you for coffee and say, hey, Douglas, I've got 10000 to invest. What should I do? But you've built an incredible brand, an incredible presence around helping people make money not only for now, but for taking that further into generations, yeah? Yes, we have. Um, I, just a quick background on myself. Got started in this industry when I was 24 years old. I was waiting table at IHOP wow. as a waiter. I was 24 and somebody gave, handed me a business card. And I went, I went for the interview and I saw, I said, you know what, there's a future here. But So I went ahead and got all my licenses. Then after doing that, I just didn't want to be a traditional cookie cutter financial planner. And, yeah. you know, and the reason of... That is just because I, I realized quickly that the same information that's being fed to the general public is not what the wealthy families are getting. Wow. So I wanted to understand wealth and how do wealthy families move wealth from one generation to the other. So I just say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and research wealthy people and coming to find out, you know, there's two systems in the world, basically, there's a system for the wealthy and there's a system for everybody else. Wow. And um, in my research, I also found out, you know, a, a guy named J.D. Rockefeller, one of the, his favorite quote is this, own nothing, control everything. Mm-hmm. So at first when I, I read that, I'm like, man, what do you mean by that? Own nothing, control everything. And then he went on further to quote another, say another quote, which is competition is sin. And then when you look at Rockefeller's life, he actually crushed all his competition. Yeah. And he's saying, own nothing, control everything, meaning you don't want to own anything in your person. Then you want to make sure you have another entity own whatever it is that you have, which is like your business, your homes, your assets should be owned by a separate entity. And then you control that entity. Yeah. So if somebody ever come after you to sue you for whatever reason, they can't get anything from you. That's why when you look at all these wealthy people, even when you go Google um, Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's company, you never see his name on there as the owner of that company. Yeah. And, and he's basically one of the things that he did also was set up his corporation in Delaware. I remember when I was researching that company, Berkshire, I looked at the corporation. It was owned by a, a, a corporation. And then when I looked, to find out what, who owns the corporation that owns it, it was a ghost. Wow. Didn't see anything. 
Amazing. It's a different set of rules, isn't it? It's like, you know, there's so many things that that people, uh, you know, everyday hardworking people, they they don't even know that that this kind of game exists. Of course. I mean, because, again, it's all about finding the who's in your circle of information, right? So when you look at the, I always say every, whenever I go speak somewhere and I'm starting my speech, I always tell people, I say, you know what, the government, the media, and the banks, all three of them work closely together to do what? To take your money away from you. Because if they can keep you financially and mentally broke, they control your money because whoever controls the money controls everything. Wow. So when you have the banks, the government, and the media working together, to make sure they get info, get people's money away from them. Because again, when you look at the wealthy, they use other people's money, OPM, yeah. other people's money. The government uses other people's money. The banks use other people's money. The media use other people's money. All the industries are using other people's money. So why is it that you as an individual are being told to always use cash to pay for stuff mm-hmm. that you want to acquire? And they scare you with, oh, you need to stay away from debt. Don't be, don't build debt. But if you're saying other people's money is the way to go, why are you telling me not to be, not to have debt? Now we don't want, we're not preaching people to have debt because we have a system that we actually teach folks how to become their own bank by using a structure to pay off all their debt in less than nine years wow. and control their destiny, including paying off their mortgage, their student loan their um, credit card debt and still have full control of their wealth. Is that, is it possible for anyone, Douglas? Like, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, there's so many people out there that are in, in difficult situations or they're, you know, they're, they're, they're coming from a, a, a slower uh, starting point. Is, is this plan, is it something that anyone can do? Yes, of course. You know, cause it's not how much money you make it's how much money you keep. Yes. But on this, Understanding the principles of money. And so one thing that I always do for me, uh, uh, using an example, is if I purchase anything, doesn't matter what it is, if I pay cash for it, and when I, what I pay cash for is things that my monthly income can afford. Yep. For example, if I make, let's just use a simple example. Let's say I make income of $5,000 a month, or let me even bring it down to somebody making $3,000 a month, which is $36,000 a year. Yeah. If I want to pay cash for something, if I'm going to purchase this cell phone, for example, and this cell phone costs two hundred dollars, then I'll do what? I'll take my, I could afford it with my three thousand dollars, and I'll pay two hundred dollars for this phone. Now, if this phone costs four thousand dollars, then I'm not, I can't afford it with my three thousand dollars. So what I do is, then that's when you finance stuff, yeah. and when you finance it, what you do is there's a different strategy that I use. I, I'm a big believer in cash value life insurance. And why is that? Because a lot of people have been brainwashed and told that cash value life insurance is not a good place to pack money, mm-hmm. which is a big lie because all the big institutions, the banks, um, the, 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 all these Congress people you see, the ones that are in the know, a lot of folks have a lot of money in insurance policies. For example, insurance companies are the largest in the world. They control 75% of the wealth. Wow. So they're packing money. It's a good place to pack money because of the tax benefit of insurance. So what I do, if I was going to purchase that phone for $4,000, here's how I benefit and how I win. I'll charge it to a credit card that I get points and miles on, right? 
Yep. So I get a, a charge it. I get my points, 4,000 points, whatever that case may be. And then I go on my cash value life insurance, take 4,000 out of it, pay off the credit card company. So I didn't have to pay the credit card company 18%, 23% interest rate. Yeah. Now I owe the money to the insurance company yeah. and their interest rate, depending on the company you're dealing with, is like 4%. Wow. So I don't mind paying them 4% back every month or whatever. But the good news is it doesn't show up on my credit report. Yeah, wow. So because it doesn't show up on my credit report, it makes me win because my credit score, my personal credit score today is over 850%, So, which is awesome. Now, it allows me to still be able to do what I want to do on my own terms. And I don't charge up that credit card again until I pay off the insurance company. Yeah. But my credit score goes up because I just paid off the credit card company and I also acquired 4,000 points from them. Yeah. So that's yep. some of the strategies, just a little bit of system where you're the one controlling your money. Yeah, definitely. So you started Largo Financial Services in two, in 2000. So uh, how long after, the, you know, the business card in IHOP, did you start your own company? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'll probably say about four years. Wow. Uh, when I first got in, you know, I didn't understand this business at all. And even working with the, that particular company, I worked with them for a while. And then unfortunately for the person running that business, they went out of business. Mm. So I followed the, my mentor, the same lady that gave me the business card. She went with another company. So I followed her to that company. We started working there. And then the, 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 the guy that we started working with started educating me on the point, the fact of setting up my own company because I was making over six-figure income. I was 28 years old making um, $250,000. And he said, listen, this is the time for you to set up your own structure so you can minimize please some taxes based on his knowledge that he knows. Wow. So I set up my own company. Then I, I never promoted it. I just used it to minimize my personal income tax. So I don't have to pay self-employment tax anymore. So I set up a corporation an S corp. And then we use that. And later as I got to increase my, my knowledge base, then I, I switched it from an S corp to an LLC yeah. for different reason. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So Douglas, like for me, I, I find it absolutely amazing. And I've talked with other guests on the show before about that pivot point, that moment in time that completely changes your future. And for you, it was a business card in IHOP, right? right. So yes. when, when you were coming through school and coming through college or coming through those early years as a young man, uh, did you ever believe that there would come a time where you're making $250,000 a year? So I'll give you that story. Yeah. No. Um, so I came, I, I, I grew up in West Africa, Nigeria. Um, I left Nigeria when I was 18 years old. Mm. So at the age of 18, when I left the country, um, I moved to Canada first. Lived in Canada, but I knew my final Boston was America because that's the place I wanted to be, you know, grew up watching that. But I knew um, my dad was an, he was an entrepreneur, business owner doing his thing. Um, so when I left, I've always, I always had in my mind, I wanted to be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the goal. That was the whole. Oh, I lost you, Douglas. Douglas, I lost you there, bud. If you still got me, hang on. I'll pause my camera and see if we can get you back. Douglas, have you still got me? Douglas, have we still got me? Douglas, have you got me? I've lost you, bud. Oh, about I, I, I lost you, but I lost you. Hang on, Douglas. I, we've, I lost you for a couple of minutes there. So you, uh, the the audio, the video cut out where you said, "I wanted to be a millionaire. That was my whole dream." 
right. I wanted to be a millionaire at age 18. And, but of course, I, I don't, I didn't know how that was going to happen. Right. So when I received that business card, I didn't know if that was going to be the way I got into the business and I saw the possibilities of the business of financial services. Wow. And I got in and I stayed focused. I was consistent. It wasn't easy. There was a lot of times I slept in my car. There was a lot of times, you know, trying to build a business. I worked night shift doing um, paper routes at night. Wow. Woke up at six in the morning in my car, jumped to the office, dressed up and got ready for the day. But I did that on a consistent for over a year and a half. And then when things started changing little by little, one of the good, the great things about financial services is the fact that if you stay focused, you, you keep increasing your knowledge base, eventually you start seeing results. With any business, anyway, you know, you yeah. become an expert in it. The wow. problem with most people, they jump around from one thing to another and they keep jumping from one business to another and hoping to become good at it. But you can't become good at anything if you keep moving around. Yeah. So I stay faithful to this business and continue to increase my knowledge base. And today, I mean, everything else is history because now I work with a lot of high network people and doing stuff. And so the income has surpassed the million that I wanted to make is past that. And it's just for a guy with a high school diploma from West Africa. I didn't go to college. There's no college degree, just a high school diploma from West Africa, Nigeria. And that's it. Wow, that's that's such an amazing story, man. So, um, one you said three times already that you kept increasing your knowledge. Is that a, is that a thing that you still are actively doing? Every day, every day, you cannot you cannot sit still because you got to put yourself in a position that your competition can never ca- catch get close to you. Yeah. So, yeah. one thing that may I guess for me being from West Africa, Nigeria, being a black man with a high school diploma, getting into the financial service industry where there's, you know, folks that are privileged with degrees and everything, I needed to be above of them. Wow. If I'm going to go talk to a, a guy that's making $2 million, $3 million, his company is doing very well, I need to be able to bring something other than, oh, you need to invest in a 401k, you need to invest in the stock market. I need to help them solve three financial situations that they're always looking for, help with everyone I know. They want to minimize taxes. They want to protect their asset, and they want to be debt free. Yeah, those three things. If I could get, so if I have the solution for all three, so I figure if I could help them with those three things, I could beat out any financial planner that in the country that comes to them. Wow, very cool, very cool, Douglas. I I, I love this story, man. I think that this is uh, something fascinating. Um, can I can I dig in? So you you left Nigeria when you're 18, right? And you landed in Canada. Did you know anyone? Did you have family? How did you get started? No, man, I didn't know anyone in Canada. I just knew um, a guy that gave me his phone number. Um, his friend said, hey, when you get there, call him. And that was oh. it. I called him. I mean, it was long story. I got there, but met people, and I slept on some guy's couch, and he started showing me the way and helped me uh, um, understand the system. But I knew this wasn't where I wanted to be. America was the final bus of where I needed to go. So I didn't leave it. I didn't stay in Canada for long. I think I was only there for four years. And I was like, man, I got to get out of here. So you, you moved from Canada to the States and yes. you set up there. What, how, how did that happen? So you, you know, picked up a job, staying in a house, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, just the, the IHOP story. But what happened between Canada and, and the IHOP story? Yeah, so 
when I, I moved to um, Seattle, Washington, but I had a friend of mine that lived in um, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, which is Maryland, um, DMV area. So I called him. I said, listen, man, I'm in Seattle, Washington. I really don't want to be here. I don't know anyone here. Can you, you know, can I come stay with you guys? Him, he was married. And he said, sure, come on. So I flew out to Virginia, lived with him and his wife. And then six months later, the wife said, well, you know, you need to tell your friend that he, he got to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you're out. I'm like, man, where am I going to go? Yeah. So he said, well, I can't really do anything. You got to go. But one thing that he did do for me, he sold me a car that he had for like $500 was a, a Honda Civic. So I bought the car and I, and I, I found a, another friend of uh, someone else through networking introduced me to a manager at IHOP and he hired me to work there. Wow. And I started in IHOP and um, from there, but they didn't know if, where I stayed. I didn't have a place. So every morning um, I slept in my car and then every morning I'll go to a motel and I'll beg the manager, I'll say, please just let me take a shower real quick because I got to go to work. I, and he'll feel sorry for me. Say, yeah, sure. No problem. Let me take a shower in the hotel, in the motel. I'll take a shower and then I head out to the, to the IHOP and serve people. Wow. So I did that for a while until the lady gave me that business card. And eventually when she found out that I, I slept in my car, she said, listen, I have a basement. If you want to come stay at my house. And I did that. And, um, and I got into that into the insurance industry and I started making some headway. So I was able to get a, a an apartment, a, a room in house and, and um, the rest is history. Wow, that's that's so amazing, man. Because, you know, I asked you, you know, five minutes ago, can anybody play this game? Is it any is it open for anybody? And the story there just proves the point, right? So it proves the point. Hey, um, Douglas, let me let me dig into to Lago Financial Services. So you were saying that uh, you 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 created it as an S company. You you moved it to an LLC as things started to move and all that kind of stuff. What were some of the challenges of starting your own business that you never knew about before you had you know before you had the name on on Lago Financial Services? What what didn't you know that you had to kind of educate yourself on? Yeah, so. Um, when you start off a, a business and being self-employed, of course, that's the main thing, you know, what we'll call a sole proprietor. So doing that and yeah, you got to get customers, right? You got to find the people to talk to because every business you, you need customers. There's no if, buts about it. You need customers. So you're everything. So the way I got my customers was I wrote the Metro. We have a Metro system here, you know, the train rides. I'll ride that from one end to the other end getting people to fill out surveys about college education for their kids. Wow. Because <laughs> I knew everyone loved their babies. They want to set up college plan for all their kids. So being in this industry, I was able to talk about that and get them to fill out a form because they want to, because college is so expensive. So if I met someone, I said, listen, my company is doing a survey on how to save for your child's college. And we asked them a number of questions at the end of the question i say, if I could show you a way that you could put away 3 to $5 every day towards your child's college, that will yield about maybe $100,000, $200,000 by the time they're ready for college, would that be a conversation you want to have? And they say, yeah. So they'll give me their phone number, their address, everything that I need, wow. and that became a lead for me. And then I went back with me and my manager, called them, and we set appointments, and that took my business on a, on a different scale. Wow. And so now I had to 
get when I said, well, for me, when I first made my six figure, the first six figure income, I didn't know what, you know, you get a 1099, you're like, oh man, I made a hundred thousand dollars. All right. Where is it? I can't yeah, find yeah. it. <laughs> Show me it. Yeah. I don't know where it's at because it's all spent. So when I made another 250, I'm like, man, I realized quickly that this money is coming, but there was nothing. The only thing I had to show for it was my Mercedes Benz that I bought. Yeah. I was paying the heavy car because I didn't understand credit. I didn't have any of those ideas. So that was when I said, you know what? I need to understand money because I wasn't saving the money that I was supposed to be saving at 28. You know, because I was making money. I was having fun. I was enjoying life. Yeah. And I was yeah. blowing my money until one day I looked myself in the mirror and said, man, you're just a dumb, dumb, dumb guy, man. You're driving a nice Mercedes Benz, but you have nothing saved. That's crazy. So I made a quick change that day. I said, you know what, before I make any major purchase, I need to save that money. So for example, if I was going to buy another car and if the car note was going to be $1,500 a month or whatever the case might be, I need to save $1,500 a month on a consistent basis at least six months and then if it makes sense then i could go purchase the car so when that six months came i'm like man i like saving this money i don't want to do anything else i continue saving it going forward so yeah it becomes it becomes less and less important man i I love this i think it's amazing so then you've created the amazing uh the book behind you which is creating generational wealth and the sub tagline of that douglas let me read it to make sure i get it right what the super wealthy know that you need to know how yes. did you how did you start to think that like you are now you are now a best selling author like i mean that's that's an amazing achievement in itself how how did this concept of the book come into your world and what did you what did you start to put together with that so one thing is i always hear people talk about generational wealth generational wealth everybody talks about that but nobody says how do you accomplish that Wow. You know, how do I move the wealth from this generation to the other? Everybody talks about you need to invest, buy real estate. Everybody talks about start a business. Well, there's so many people that have done that. But then when they die, everything dies with them. Yeah. So that's not generational wealth. You just starting a business doesn't mean you create, you're going to create generational wealth. So me studying the wealthy, I started seeing the concept and things that they have in place. Hmm. For example, there's, different types of what they call um, foundations in America. There's all over the world. There's different types of trust. So, and there's different types of ways to create your business and set up your business correctly and how you could make sure your kids are also connected to the business. And there's such a thing called estate taxes that will eat up your money if you pass away. So I needed to write a book to explain different, how to title your, your properties when you buy a property to make sure it stays in the family, mm. how to title your business properly to make sure if something happens to you, your business can continue. Why does insurance play a very, very important role in your business? I talk about my, my dad in Africa, had businesses, but then he retired, died, and we get nothing. Why? Because in Africa, they don't have Nigeria. They don't have the system that we have here in America. Yeah. So understand the system where you could create a business, set it up properly, have a different entity on the business, like a trust, for example. There's over yeah. 80 types of trust in America. I mean, wow. in the world, basically 80 types of different trust. So what type can I use to 
hold my business to make sure my business is protected. So we help people with that. Wow. So those kind of things and those knowledge, as I continue to dig in, got me to understand the power of building real generational wealth. Like there's stuff called endowment, endowment funds. There's foundations you could set up. So if you really want to build massive amount of wealth for you and live it in the family from generation to generation, there's ways to do that to make sure it's secure and it's, and your wealth is protected. Because the last thing you want is you build all this wealth and then the day we pass away, the government comes in and take all that money away from you. Absolutely. So, Wow. So like, I'm I'm fascinated. You are, you mentioned that you're constantly uh, learning. I'll I'll get into your daily routine in just a second. But um, when was the last time that, that you, you read something or you researched something or you found something out that made you just go like, people don't know this. And oh my God, it's right here in front of me. When was the last time that happened for you? Um, I'll probably say about a a month ago. Wow. Uh, Well, well, yeah. Um, so there's um so when you look at uh let, let's there's some called corporate owned life insurance. Yep. Right? Corporate owned life insurance. Most people here they don't even know what that is, they they don't even know it exists. But what it is is it's a it's a it's a program that corporations have mm-hmm. on their key executives. Yep. Now banks will do any banks are very, very they they're all about making money. And they understand the importance of money. So banks will loan you money to buy real estate. Mm -hmm. But they will never loan you money to invest in the stock market. Mm -hmm. Okay. But they'll also, they'll loan you money to buy life insurance. Interesting. Most people don't realize that, but it's not for everybody, of course. It's only for high network people. Yeah. People that make, that have net worth at least $5 million and above. They could purchase life insurance and they don't have to write a check for it. They'll have a bank pay the premium because banks are interested in it. Well, we just they want to protect for, their asset. Exactly. We just do one for a guy that 30 years old guy doing very well. And we covered them for, for $40 million of life insurance. And we had a bank pay the premium for it. Wow. So awesome. I guess because, like I said, the bank wants to cover their asset. They want to make sure this guy, you know, he's got a lot of money borrowed with the bank or whatever. We protect his life. We protect our debt. You know, there's a there's a, a reason for that. You must have read that. You must have like gone into that and just gone, oh, my God, people don't even realize that this is out there. And can you imagine how much more there is still to know? Like, can you imagine how many rules of the game that you don't even know are existing yet? Exactly. And that's why I always tell everyone, you got to, especially in any business you do, don't ever think you do that that's it. The knowledge is so huge. I mean, the, the the knowledge out there, the space is huge. So just keep learning and then collaborating with folks that have the knowledge that you want. Yeah. You know, that are the, they, they have the lifestyle that you want. Collaborate, work with them and, and, you know, do business with people. And so you could grow your wealth. I mean, there's so many, even in the real estate space, we do so much stuff in that space as well where we actually do hard money lending to people to generate additional revenue. You know, so there's so many things that I do as a financial guy that I get involved in, especially when you have cash. One thing that one of my mentors said is, you know, there's no such thing as bad news or good news. It's only news because it's bad news to the person that's about to lose their property. 
is good news to the person that sees an opportunity to buy that property at a discount. Wow. So the key is to have cash ready to take advantage of opportunities. Because when is the best time to invest in something? When it's low, when you could buy it at a wholesale price instead of a retail price. Mm-hmm. And the best time to do it is if you have cash, you could jump in. So the best thing, I'll, the one thing I'll, I was having a conversation with one of my clients this morning, I said to him, because he wanted to invest in um, a, a, a brand new, you know, building of a hotel or whatever the case might be. I said, no, you don't need to jump into that right now. What I want you to do, stack up your money. There's always going to be opportunities that are going to present themselves. Yep. The key is, are you ready to take advantage of those opportunities? And the best time to buy anything is you buy low when everybody is losing out, then you could sell it at a profit. Yeah, of course. Makes, wow, makes sense. So um, you mentioned being around people who are helping you fill that space of your knowledge. Do you, do you actively network in that space yourself, Douglas? Are you, are you a networker? Are you out there meeting people, talking to them, having coffee with people? Like, Is that something, a, a part of your day? All day long. I, I believe in networking. I mean, I just came back from an event in, um, in Las Vegas. And it cost me to, to sit in f- with those people that are making the money. It cost me $10,000 mm-hmm. to sit in on the front row. But I knew everybody sitting in that front row are people I want to do business with. Nice. So I had to nice. network with all those people and get business. And I did. And I've met some great people. And I'm going to rip my 10,000 10 times more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Like to think that you had to uh, pay $500 for a Honda Civic not that long ago. Now you're outlaying $10,000 and turning it into a 10x return, you know, just because of the people and the, and the knowledge that you've had. I said, I was going to ask you about your daily routine. So it sounds to me like you, you're, you're actively building uh, Lago Financial Services. I mean, you, a, a guy who's hustling with a clipboard on a, on a subway train on a metro is not going to let that juice go. So I'm, sh- I'm sure you're hustling for that all the time. But what is, what is a day in the life of, of Douglas Ezzy these days? What does a day look like for you? Man, um, I have a busy, busy day calendar field because I have over a thousand financial advisors that I work with all mm-hmm. on the day, you know, that I, uh, I mentor and train and, and teach um, to. And we're constantly building because we want to take our business to $100 million in business. So we're currently um, recruiting um, financial advisors from other companies to come join our sales force and work with us. Again, using the knowledge that I have so I could educate them, mentor them, teach them stuff that they want to learn. And then in turn, we get rewarded for that. So constantly doing that. So I'm always, you know, I have a filled up calendar. Wake up in the morning. I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, do a quick meditation before I jump on the phone. Do go in my um in my gym downstairs in the in the house and do some quick workout. Sometimes I run um outside and then I, I drink my um my superfood to keep give me energy all day. And I've been you know I, I I've turned vegetarian the last year just to stay more healthy, got rid of meat and fish and all the other stuff that you know, is killing us again. When I talk about media, the government, the banks, you know, I talk about those things because all they're, they're, they're designed to get us into a situation where we depend on them. Yeah. And for our, our older citizens, as you get older, you kept, they want you to keep depending on the government for support. Yeah. And I don't yeah. want that for my life. Mm-hmm. And so I have, you know, YouTube pages that I share knowledge with people because my thing at the end of the day, our company, what we're doing in the financial space, we're helping a lot of families become debt-free yeah. in less than nine years, which is a big deal. Because most financial advisors, if you have somebody that has debt, 
I remember when I, I people walk into my office and they have all this debt, I couldn't do anything for them. We'll turn them away and say, listen, go pay off your debt and come back. Until I'm like, why can't I help this? So we built a software system that allows us to help families become debt-free. We actually just introduced an app that should be um, read in the spring of this year. It's called Cube Money, mm-hmm. Q-U-B-E Money. It helps people budget and helps them control their spending and help them save at the same time because folks are going crazy with spending money. Yeah. It's crazy. It's killing so many people and they're so stressed out. So I teach them a different way of doing the same thing, but doing it smart and still build wealth at the same time. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Can, um, so you've got, uh, you've got the full book calendar. You've got the workout in the morning. You've got the superfoods coming through. What, what time do you switch off? Like what's the end of the day for you? Man, probably 10, 10 PM every night. I come yeah. like right today. I'm still at the office. I'm, I have another webinar right after this. Uh, eight o'clock with one of my reps in in Florida, and then I have another one at nine p.m. with one of my rep in Texas, Beautiful. and then once I'm done, then I head home. Nice. And what's what's the what's the relax for you? Like, what's your unplug? <laughs> um, when I when I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay, so the last thing you do before you sleep is check your email. No, actually, I don't because I've checked it throughout the day. So when I'm home, just relaxing. Um, when I'm hanging out with my kids, you know that that's. What I but most times I'm I'm always on the road I'm traveling, so I can I, you know I mix let's I mix my business with pleasure I enjoy life I do the things that you know make me happy yeah. at the end of the day because that's so important you know I, I do I enjoy my lifestyle I do the things that I want to do and that's the same thing I teach my clients we don't talk we don't tell our clients to stop to cut down their lifestyle because we help them minimize taxes and we help them get out of debt. There's no reason for them to cut down their lifestyle because you work hard for your money. Yeah. There's no reason why you should be eating ramen noodles. You know, a lot of financial advisors tell their clients, oh, you need to tighten your belt. You need to um, stop eating out. Why? They work for that money. They should be enjoying it. So in order for me to be able to tell my clients to enjoy their lifestyle, I need my job is to get them out of debt and help them minimize the amount of taxes that they're paying. And bring in and, and increase their lifestyle rather than decrease it. Exactly. So, do you talk to your kids about money, Douglas? Oh yeah, all the time. So I want one thing like so I have a, a a a seven, eight, and sixteen and nineteen. So my my two oldest, I show them I have a the, the app I just talked about, the cube money. Yep. So we put we put money in it on a, a on a monthly basis for them. And I tell them if you stay on the budget, you get twenty dollars added to your um, to your to your app every month. So at the end of the year, that's two hundred and forty dollars easy money. Yeah. So you know, we educate them. I, I teach them because again, I want them to understand they're all successful trustees to my trust. So I need them to understand this money system. Yeah. And then at the yeah. same time, with my foundation, the Douglas is a foundation. I have them do some trust. I give them money and I say, listen, go raise more money with this, and then we're gonna take that and go support a charity that we want to support. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. The education from such a young age, I think, is going to uh, change the futures there. Douglas Ezzi, you are amazing, man. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, they can go to largofinancialservices.com. I'm going to make sure that that link is in the uh, in the show notes as well. They can follow you on Twitter as well, which I, I noticed that you're pretty active there. Um, you also find you on Facebook as well. So again, I'll make sure that those links are there. 
but your story for me is absolutely amazing. And, you know, you're talking about leaving Nigeria at 18, sleeping in a car to a life pivotal moment in an IHOP cafe and then just pouring knowledge into the top of your head to make sure that you understand how wealth works has created something amazing. And of course, you guys, uh, you can head over and, and pick up um, Douglas's book as well, which is Creating Generational Wealth. But again, man, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and chat with you. I love the, the passion that you've put into creating something incredible for not only yourself, but your clients as well. Um, keep doing what you're doing, man. And, and uh, guys, get in touch with Douglas. If, if I've, I've ever heard an inspirational story of hustle to success, this man is it. Douglas, thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate you, Walter. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Cheers, bud. Hey, everyone. It's Walt, and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you, and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there, so you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.